You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axecamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Axe Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. The most wonderful time of the year, as the one song says, Christmas starts with Christ, and that's what we are all about. For God, say, if you know this verse, John 3, 16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is probably one of the key verses in the Bible. And the portion that we want to talk about today is God so loved the world that he gave. He loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son. And the important part here is love, gave, and begotten. We all know that God is love. John says, if you want to know what love is, it's God. So in Luke, it tells us, Now, the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. This is in Luke 1, verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be called his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen. I pick up the story over in Matthew. And it says... Uh, Joseph, now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together and had any kind of relationship, he was found with child of the Holy Spirit. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. This is Matthew 1, verse 18 forward. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. For that which is conceived in her 
is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, begotten, because Mary was the one who conceived. Why did God send Jesus in human form? That's very, very important to understand God's love and plan for all of us. You see, Adam and Eve were created in the garden without sin. And they dwelt in that garden for some time, naming all the animals. There were no weeds to pull, no work to be done, just a glorious and wondrous place to live. But then came the tempter, and they gave into that temptation. And sin entered the world. So as by one man sin into the world, so by one man sin will be taken out of the world or uh, forgiveness of sin will be for the world. And so Jesus came giving up what he had in glory, giving up all that he had. And we find this very true as we look at the Christmas story because Jesus is not born in a palace, although he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. He isn't born in a palace. But rather he's born in a stable. In those days, Jerusalem doesn't have a lot of wood. I don't know if you've been there, but those of you who have traveled with us before to Israel uh, have been there. Everything's rock. So, you know, we see these nice wooden manger scenes, you know, and you got the animals surrounding it and, uh, and so forth. But that really wasn't what it was. It was more like a cave, hollowed out rock where they were. And the, and the manger was not made out of wood. It was a stone trough. And you can see some of those still today, uh, how, they, how they made those things. kind of changes the Christmas story a little bit we've kind of dramatized and we kind of made it a little bit nicer and enjoyable. Here they are and the baby's sleeping quietly in the, in the manger and, and all these groupers around the manger scene and we, you know, we talk about that. But Jesus came and was born in a stable, not in a palace, humbly. And who are the ones who were given the first greeting while shepherds were watching their flocks. What do you know about shepherds? We know this about shepherds. It was the lowliest job that they had. And many of the shepherds were not your uh, best quality of person. So much so that their testimony would not be worth anything in a court of law. They wouldn't believe a shepherd if they said something. Why is that important? 
Because who becomes the witness of child of Jesus' birth? Shepherds. <laughs> and, and they're going to go and they're going to say, Messiah is born. And they're going to go, don't listen to the shepherds. They've been drinking their bath water. They don't, they don't know anything. God chose the ones who had no legal standing to be a witness, to be the witness of his birth. Hardly what you would think of. See, it's not to a couple years later that the Magi come from the east. <laughs> they weren't at that little manger scene where you see the three wise men. They were actually called Magi. They actually came from where Daniel was when Daniel was chief of the Magi. Because he interpreted the dream, he was recognized very highly. The interesting thing about Magi is that in the Babylonian times, the only way that a king would be recognized is if the Magi authenticated them as king. You couldn't be a king in the East if the Magi didn't recognize you. That was their job. That was who they are. They were similar to being rulers in their own right. And they were wealthy. And they had lots of influence. And there weren't just three of them. <laughs> they came with three because it says there was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts must have been three wise men. Because there's only three gifts. <clears throat> Wrong. The Magi were a greater number than that. And when they traveled, they traveled with an ensemble of soldiers. They were a large group. They weren't just three guys sneaking in. And you, uh, you see how this isn't even confirmed until they get there two years later. So when Jesus is born, he isn't seen as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's met by the shepherds. Let's, let's go and find the spot where the child lay. And they went and they worshiped him. But they were shepherds with no standing for witnessing the birth of Jesus. Jesus came humbly. So it tells us in Philippians that he gave up the glory of heaven. He gave up his stature. He gave up his position and became made lower than the angels. So, you know what? Our, we as a creation are lower than the angels. Interesting thought, huh? And Jesus humbled himself to that position. And it says in Luke that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom. Now, if you're God, you already have all wisdom. But if you give up that position and put yourself under the terms of being human, you no longer have that. Does that mean that he wasn't divine? He 
is and was and always will be divine. But he lived on earth as a human with those restraints. As a matter of fact, in the book of John, the Gospel of John, it talks about Jesus saying, the works I do are not mine, but my Father's in heaven. The works that I'm doing are not my works, they're the works of my Father who's in heaven. It's the same thing Jesus says, greater is he, I mean, he says, greater things you will do than I have done. Because I go to my Father which is in heaven. And every good gift and every perfect gift, James says, comes down from the Father of lights. So that when you are a believer and Christ is in you, and your spirit's been born again by the seed of the Holy Spirit, you are given the same position as Jesus had while he was on earth. God in you, the hope of glory. Therefore, the works that Jesus did, you also have the ability to do only by God. Not by your determination, not by your desire, not by your want, but by God who wants to do what he wants to do through you. And you have nothing to do with it other than being a servant, an ambassador for Jesus Christ, an obedient one who was willing to let God use you. And that's the picture of Jesus coming to earth, not a serpent authority, not a serpent authority, but staying underneath the authority of, of his father. Not my will, but your will be done. <clears throat> Jesus came humbly, born in a stable with shepherds marking the witness of his birth. And when the Magi came, they said, we have come to find this one who was born king of the Jews because we saw his sign. <laughs> How do they know about that sign? Daniel. Daniel told them what to be looking for. You know, God has used signs. And you know what it says? In the last days, there will be signs. Those who are looking for the signs of his coming will know he's coming. If you be a wise person and look for the signs. They saw his sign and they came to worship him. And they came to Herod, who was the king, the puppet king at that time. And uh, Herod was a little bit uh, concerned because in reality, his palace guard was out doing stuff and in come the Magi. It was three people, it wouldn't have concerned him. The fact was that this was a mass and a whole, whole army coming from the east. And Babylon had been known to do what to the Jews before? Conquer them. Anybody coming from the east, Persia, Babylon, that's all conquering. And so they see these armies come in, they're wondering what's going on. And they said, we want, we've come to find he who is born king of the Jews. Herod says, I'm king of the Jews to himself. Very jealous person, had people killed, a horrible guy. You read about him, it's terrible. And so he calls all the scribes and the Pharisees together and says, 
What, are they, what is he talking about? And they searched the scriptures and they said, you know what? It's true what they say. And so Herod figures he can outsmart God. I mean, that's supposed to what he was, must have figured that because what he said was, go and find him. And when you found him, come and tell me so I can come and worship him too. But they were warned by an angel and sent a different way. But the Magi come and they confirm God uses people of belief from a totally different spot to authenticate Jesus as king. But his own did not. They didn't recognize him as king. Jesus came in very humble fashion as a human being, limited himself to being a human being. And for what purpose did he come? He came to die. That was his whole purpose. Came to die. Why? Because he becomes the sacrifice that's required for the removal of sin. Why should Christmas be joyful? Because we're celebrating the gift God has given us. And that gift was Jesus Christ bringing us eternal life, bringing us a life to live forever in a place where you can't even imagine. There's a song out that became very popular. I can only imagine what it'll be like. Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you, will I be still? What is heaven like? The Bible says you can't even imagine how wondrous of a place God has prepared for those that love him. What a fantastic gift that the contrast of this earth to heaven and God loved you so much. He let his son come and suffer and die. He didn't just die. He died one of the most torturous deaths known to man at that particular time on a cross after being beaten 39 lashes which killed most people but they couldn't take his life he had to give it you see he had no sin and sin is the cause of death not a beating Jesus gave up his life for us that's what we celebrate the coming of Jesus as a gift to us and brought joy, joy to the world. The Lord has come. So let earth receive their king. Let every heart, every heart rejoice. We ought to be so thankful and so blessed the story of Jesus is an amazing story of love. No greater man has this, that he lay down his life for another. Jesus gave his life freely and not without a lot of struggle. If you read in the garden what happened there, it was a struggle. But we celebrate the coming of Jesus. Now, second of all, Jesus came in a very humble manner 
in a, in a very uh, different way because he's going to be born of a woman. Born of woman. Having the human aspect of who he is. And the problem with that is, is that in the Jewish system, in the Jewish way that they lived, the parents knew better who a spouse should be than the kids did. At least that was the thinking. You know, I'm not so sure they were wrong. If you look at the divorce rate in America, when you get to choose who you want to be with, and, you know, people are fickle. They choose them one day. They're the most wonderful people. Do you remember, like, uh, I shouldn't, how do I approach this? If I'm using memory, it ages me real quick. You see, I am Dr. David Robinson, the senior, the old one, the oldest Dr. David Robinson we have here. <laughs> we have another Dr. David Robinson who's close behind. <laughs> then we have my son who's working at it. But when the kids have their romances, especially the first romance, oh, he is the most wonderful person in the world. And, you know, three or four months later, he is the toad. He is, that guy is horrible. Acne, smells, and everything else, I'm telling you. Uh, when the parents say, I don't think he's going to work out for you. Oh, no, he's the Wind I sail on. <laughs> he's my breath. He's my life. And they have romance or whatever you want to call it, infatuation with the guys. A lot of times it's lust instead of love. But they think that's it. They think that's wonderful. And uh, a marriages in America have proven not to work out too well. But when in the Jewish system you were given in marriage, you were given... You see, the actual thing was parents had a right to, to take care of you. Not only a right, but a responsibility to take care of their children. And in the Jewish system, it was very important, especially the father of the house, to be the priest of the home. In Job, it says he offered sacrifices for his children just in case they might have sinned. He was offering before him. He was, he was taking care of him. And, and so you want the best for your son and daughter. And so they would make these marriage contracts. And these marriage contracts were not like engagements that we have. You know, you get engaged and they give you a, a ring, you know, and, and when, when the young woman gets her, her ring, uh, she, never, she never keeps it down here. She's always kind of like, oh, you noticed. Yeah, look. Sometimes you have to take a magnifying glass. No, I just <laughs> just kidding. But we have engagements, and what that is is a test time to see whether or not it's going to work out. So that's when you work out all the different things and so forth. And so finally, when you come to the marriage, you're supposed to be ready for doing that. <clears throat> but not true in Jewish system. They were given in marriage. They were given in marriage, and that was a contract. And the only way to break that contract, believe it or not, was to write a bill of divorcement. If you were engaged, you'd have to have reason, you have to have reason to divorce the one who was given to you. 
And the reasons is sexual impurity. That's the major reason. So here it says, Joseph, before they came together, before they had any relation, sexual relations, before it's possible for her to be pregnant by him, she was found to be with child. Now we just kind of gloss right on by that. But you have to understand the pressure and the culture of that time. It was a shame to be with child out of wedlock. Used to be in this country too. Used to be true. But it was a shame to be pregnant out of wedlock. In fact, it could even be a stonable offense. But instead of making her a public, which is what they did when they wrote a bill of a divorcement, it became a public thing that this girl had cheated on him because she's pregnant. He was deciding whether to do that when an angel came and said, don't do that. Because the story she's telling you is absolutely true. She's been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and she's going to have a child even though she's never had relations, sexual relations. And Mary, imagine Mary, when she hears this news, what a great thing it is. And it's kind of a a dual thing because it's wondrous news on one hand, but on the other hand, she has to tell that she is pregnant. Understand the Jewish system, understand the Jewish culture. If she comes and she's unmarried and she says, I'm pregnant, that's a huge, huge, huge disgrace. And, and what's, what's she going to say? An angel came. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that you sat on the toilet, you get pregnant, you know, that time. <laughs> but an angel came, an angel told you, gonna, come on, let's do something believable. Because who's going to believe that an angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby? It wasn't a common occurrence, you know? It didn't happen. Oh, the same thing happened to me just last week. <laughs> that, that was not a common occurrence. So uh, imagine the turmoil she's going through when she has to tell the one that she's been looking forward to. And by the way, they look forward to their marriage because it wasn't one of those things where they thought they had to fall in love with somebody. They were told to love. Here's an interesting concept. Whoever is your husband or wife, love them. See, people think that's, it's a choice. I just don't love him. He's just a nasty person. Well, let me just tell you something. God tells husband, love your wives, not an option. And that's the way it was. And so it was a lot easier for them. I know it's hard for us to understand that. But it was a lot easier for them to grow up in a culture where whoever you were betrothed to, you loved them. You started loving them right away. So Mary would already have a love relationship with Joseph. And Joseph obviously has it for Mary because you see his compassion coming forth. So they love one another. But who's going to believe an angel? And then when Joseph says... Yeah, an angel came to me too. Well, that's convenient. Two of you hanky-panking over on the side, and now you're going to say, it was an angel. 
Maybe that maybe that'll pull off. I mean, we're Jewish after all. Maybe they'll believe an angel told us. You know, that's what the that's what people are thinking. Sure, you're out in the meadow. You have a child now, and now you're trying to say angels told you about it, right? You understand this is not a believable story. And they had the shame to deal with all of that time. So he secretly puts her away so that they don't recognize she's getting pregnant. They don't know what's going on, so she stayed away from shame. And they get betrothed, and then they get married. But this isn't a fun time in the old place. This is a time of stress, time of trouble. And then they have to go and register and Mary and Joseph have to go from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. And that's not a short period of time. Today in a car, it's fairly fast. But it wasn't those days. She's with child. She's nine months pregnant. And she's going down these dirt roads. You know, they show her riding on a donkey. Uh, Probably wouldn't be riding on a donkey if the baby would come sooner. You know, it was a struggle. It's not all this dramatized Gloria. It was tough. Jesus came in a very humble way through parents who went through a lot of stress. And problems. And even after Jesus is born, nobody's buying their story. Magi come, says Mary kept these things in her heart. You know, Jesus came. But what is the outcome of this whole thing? The most wondrous thing that could ever happen. Let me just tell you a little something. Back in the 60s, Disneyland at that particular time decided that they would recognize Christmas because Christmas goes right along with the happiest place on earth. <laughs> I always laugh at that because I grew up in Anaheim. I was there before Disney was. Oh, my word. And when we were growing up, it was the happiest place on earth. We used to get in for five bucks, by the way. And uh, <clears throat> I would laugh because I go to Disneyland and hear, you know, hear the parents with their kids and, would you shut up? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go right here. I don't <laughs> The happiest place on earth. <laughs> I used to laugh at that. But they decided that Christmas was important. And so they said music is important to Christmas. And so they started this thing called the Candlelight Procession. And they have singers going down Main Street with candles in their hand. That's why it was called Candlelight. Come up to the Main Street right in front of the train station and then they would sing carols. It was a big thing. As a matter of fact, just out of side note, in case you're ever on Jeopardy, 
the high school that I went to was called Western High School. And the director there, Alex Inchev, engineered a tree back in the 1960s. And it had different levels. And he had the choir stand on those levels wearing green robes. And we made a little bib. <laughs> Sounds funny. Bib out of tinfoil. And then we had candles that we held in front of that tinfoil. And so you look at it and you have a singing Christmas tree. And because he had done that, Disney asked for them to come and be the center spot on the candlelight procession. And so there I was in front of all of Disneyland. And about that time, in the sixth month about that time, uh, they came out with color television. And Walt Disney had the wonderful world of color. And so they put that candlelight procession on the television, a wonderful world of color. And you know what they sang? Christmas carols. Silent night, holy night, oh, holy night. All these songs. That has continued on to this very day. And in the 1970s, Denise's brother-in-law, Denise's sister Debbie's husband, was working with the uh, Epcot Center, Experimental Prototype City of Tomorrow. And that's where they moved the processional to, the candlelight processional to that, instead of they used to do Main Street on Disney. They moved it over to a, a spot over there that had a theater because a few years earlier, Derek said, why don't we read the Christmas story out of the Bible at the candlelight procession? And that's what they do to this very day. The most popular thing Disney does by far is the reading of the story of the birth of Jesus with the music that it is associated with. Most popular thing. They start the day after Thanksgiving and three performances a day. They give all the way through and they're sold out every single one. You have to wait in line for hours. They hear the Bible read the story of the birth of Jesus. What is it? What's so powerful about that Christmas story? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Christmas is about a baby, humbly born, never seeking recognition, three years of ministry, and is killed, actually gives up his life for you and I. The Christmas story includes all that. He came to give us life 
It says, give it to us more abundantly. So what do we say? We recognize what a joy it was that Jesus came. What a wonderful gift God gave us. The most wonderful thing in the world was that Jesus was willing to come in human form to be humbly born and to live so that he can give his life that we might have it. Powerful stuff. If you're here this morning and you've, and believe it or not, there's a lot of people who've never heard that entire story. And you, or if you've heard that story and not recognize what it really meant, would you accept a gift from God? God gives a gift to you this morning if you'll accept it. And that is eternal life. Forgiveness for everything you've done wrong. He not only forgives it, he forgets it. It never happened. You have that chance this morning. Number two, let's say you've been a Christian for some time and you've kind of fallen away or you're not very strong in it. This is a great day to renew your commitment to the one who gives his life for you. It's a Christmas present. Would you receive that Christmas present today? As we close, I'm going to do something I don't think Acts Church has done before, and I can get yelled at later. That's okay. I'm going to ask to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you just to go to in the presence of God the Father right now. I want you to, to picture God who loves you. I don't want you to picture an angry God. I want you to picture a God who loves you. And his son, Jesus Christ, sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, reaching his arms out to you and saying, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden. Come unto me and I'll give you rest. Come unto me, I'll forgive your sins. Come unto me and I'll renew your strength. And if you want to accept that gift this morning, you want to accept that invitation I'm going to ask you to do something very simply. That's just raise your hand up that I might be able to pray for you. I'm not asking you to come forward or anything else. Yes, 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 yes. I see those hands. Anyone else? God's called you this morning. You want, yes, I see that hand. God bless you. These are important decisions that are eternal decisions. I see that hand in the back. Yes, thank you. And as we close, we're going to pray and we're going to have a time to remember what the Lord's death was. We're going to remember his birth, but remember why he came. That he died for us. And we're going to celebrate that in communion. And during that time, if you raise your hand and you feel comfortable, I want you to make your way back. There's a room right outside the back doors here to the right. There's a room in there where there will be people who want to pray with you and confirm what you made your decision about today. And I invite you to, to join the elders back there 
who are more than happy to spend some time with you. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot thank you enough for what you've done for us, that you came to earth humbly, not with fanfare and all that kind of stuff, although there was plenty of that in glory. Humbly came for a purpose, and that is to save us. He will save sinners from their sin, for all the things we've done wrong, all the things we've fallen short of. You'll forgive them. Thank you for that. We give you praise, and we thank you in the name of Jesus, who is our Lord and precious Savior. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to that Axe Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, it really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.